0: Hello and welcome to the third episode of Design Untangle with me, Chris Mears, and my co-host Carla Lindarte.
1: Hello, hello, Chris. Hello, everyone. Good to be here for the third time now. Although yeah, it's a we...
0: trilogy now, isn't it?
1: I know it's exciting, isn't it? Um, I haven't really, we haven't really had any comments from the second one, so um, hopefully someone is gonna give us some feedback at some point (laughs) maybe they just stopped listening right No, but we do have people who have listened haven't we
0: yeah i think we can just take it that they all thought the content was awesome and required no further discussion that's how (laughs) i'm interpreting it
1: yeah everyone is lofted so that that's great um so what do you think about personas chris what's your opinion about personas
0: uh, I think that will come out through the course of the episode, but we should probably <laughs> start by maybe kind of describing what they are first, so always a good place to start. So yeah. they are a deliverable, essentially, which aims to kind of wrap up what you think your users are in terms of their goals, their motivations, who they are, their likes, their dislikes, what kind of pain points they experience ideally this should all be based on kind of actual research that you're doing Uh, as we'll probably discuss that's not always the case No. Um, but they kind of look like I guess dating profiles a little bit so you've (laughs) normally got we spoke about them in the first episode a little bit but kind of a cheesy stock image or a little quote that kind of sums up what they're about what their thoughts and feelings are Maybe a couple of different scales showing different attributes they might have. And that can vary depending what you're designing. Um, And then usually some other bullshit people put on there, like they've got (laughs) two cats or they like, I don't know, polos or something.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, that's a very good description of what personas are. Um, Yeah. So it is, it is a deliverable, but how useful do you think they are? I mean. Let's start by saying how many times in your life, I, ha- I can actually tell you how many times someone have asked me to create personas. Oh, can you just do some personas for tomorrow? Right? <laughs> I say more than 30 times I've been asked to create personas like out of the blue. And when do you finish doing them, even if you do research or not, sometimes I wonder how, how useful do you think they are? You know, so how many times you actually use them or how many times you you referred back to them so i don't know they end up being more like the uh, deliverable as you said that kind of sits in someone's laptop or um i had this client once that they asked for some kind of life size personas So they actually they were actually taller than me um <laughs> Because <laughs> they to the, the personas
0: dialogue. were taller than
1: you. <laughs> yeah, they were taller than me. <laughs> they were, they were really creepy, and they were always looking at us. But no one really referred back to them. They just sort of like look cool, like but...
0: Mona Lisa or something.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, so I, I always wonder how useful do you think they are? You know.
0: Well, I think to be useful, they've got to be used in the design process, right? So they've got to help you actually move your designs on or understand something new and I think what tends to happen which is one of the problems with them is they kind of get done sometimes it's kind of without any input from the team or whatever a researcher or whoever it is types them up sticks them on the wall and that's kind of the end of their life really they just sit there staring at you while you do your wireframes or whatever um (laughs) I worked at a place that had I'd say probably about 40 personas or something, which is just ridiculous. Like they had Chinese hacker was one of the personas. It's like, how how many Chinese hackers have you interviewed to come up with that persona? (laughs) But yeah, it was just crazy.
1: Yeah, that is, oh my God, Chinese hacker. I've never heard that before. Um, Yeah, so lots of personas. Like I did a couple of like intranet projects as well. And companies always think that every single role in the organization is a different persona because they have so many different needs. But well, they don't really like if you think about an employee, you're always gonna have very similar needs, um, regardless of the level that you go, uh, that you are at. So, um, yeah, it's also that's the thing, like that's the problem of becoming just a deliverable or a communication tool. I think it's is a good idea to have them sometimes because it just helps people relate to particular scenarios or particular context or a particular behavior right because they're more like a comms tool and a kind of design thinking tool but at the end of the day sometimes if you as you said if you don't keep referring back to them they just end up being completely like Useless, you know they don't really have any purpose, and you don't always need them either. Like it's um, it's also a very traditional kind of UX process. People think, okay, we need some personas, then we need some user journeys, then we need some wireframes. Then like it doesn't really work like that anymore. than you think? Like it was, it was a process that everyone followed, but I don't really think that's the case anymore.
0: Yeah, I mean, as we will probably be a common theme in this podcast, there is no ideal UX process there's probably one that kind of people thought was the ideal process but as it's kind of got tried and tested more in actually delivering products and services you know it's had to change and sometimes some things are appropriate sometimes they're not and I think the thing with personas is if they're not helping your team deliver a product then what's the point of them really
1: yeah right that's that's so true like and also if you if you think about well if i think about a, a, a moment or project where i did personas it was um one of my retail clients um they wanted to obviously we wanted to come up with a series of design principles and we wanted to understand the customer base so when you have a brief like that um, and they said, oh, we want some personas, so where did you start? So we started by just looking at the existing kind of segmentation or customer target audience that majority of companies, if you're working for a big company or a small company, you need, kind of need to have an idea what your target, target customers are um, and you start by by looking at that, like in that in that. Uh, case for example they obviously have stores so we went to the store we looked at different people we did a lot of observation as well as like very short interviews with people to understand like common behavior so you know uh, common patterns and then we came up with a series of uh, like initial what we call archetypes so types of customers um, and then we did a lot of like more in-depth research um, with those people and we travel around the country and we partied a lot as well. And we interview lots of people. Um, and at the end of the day, we kind of verified whether or not our initial assumptions on, you know, these are um, our type of customers or at least. Because for me, personas don't really represent a type of customer. For me, they represent a, an extreme behavior. So, you, so they, they need to represent something that's very different to the other if they end up being very similar, you have to really reconsider whether or not you need two personas or three or four um, because it's not about the number of personas, as you said, it's about the behavior they represent. Um, So that was a a case where we actually had some time to do personas in in a more like professional way because I've done personas like seriously in an hour.
0: Some of the stuff we use them for where I think they were useful as you say it's to test that kind of extreme ends of the scale so in government you kind of have to design for every citizen and some are you know a good deal the population will be broadly similar in what they need to kind of do and accomplish but you've also got those more edge case type people so I know someone that's just had their kid taken away from them by social services or whatever it's a good I think kind of exercise to put that in front of the team with your screens or whatever it is and walk through that flow as that person and see how that journey might be different for them so certain language might not be appropriate for that person in that frame of mind and they can be a good tool for stretching your thinking and identifying problems that you might not otherwise have seen
1: yeah that's true it's kind of a way of having more empathy with the type of people you're designing for but they're not they don't necessarily need to be scientific as well um but they need to be very different to each other um to really, as you said, to really try to look at the problems or the journeys or whatever you're designing from different types of eyes. So it kind of removes the bias of designing for yourself um, or designing for just your yourself and your colleagues. And it's just kind of bringing some external insight into what you're doing, isn't it?
0: How much of that do you think is kind of for yourself as a UX designer versus kind of sharing it with your team
1: uh, that's a very good question. I think it, it all depends on the context. I think it's a very useful tool for clients as well. So they start understanding a bit more different behaviors. Um, I, I think for yourself as a UX designer, is very, very useful. But then the more you share it with your team, or at least the more you encourage your team to think about those different behaviors and context, the more useful it's going to be because um, you shouldn't really be designing by yourself anyway in isolation. Um, You know, you need to have a team with you. So the more you communicate that to your team and just try to bring them back into real people, I think the better, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I don't think necessarily personas are the only way to do that. You can build up that kind of team knowledge just by people observing or participating in research generally. So you know, probably it will have a lot more of an impact if they've, you know, let's take the same example and seen that lady talking about when her kid was taken away by social services. If they've seen that on a research video or whatever, I think that's going to make them think about that person's needs a lot more than a bit of paper stuck on a wall, potentially.
1: <laughs> oh, the life-size persona looking at you. <laughs> yeah, I I totally think that, I mean, research, but I- also I think personas are useful as well to start like looking at screening your participants um because you know that different contexts and different experiences as you described you know that lady talking about that situation it is a result of coming up with a series of screeners or what would you call screeners in a non-jargon way so just um uh, participant profiles that you need to come up with to start recruiting for your research so personas are always a good starting point I mean if you at least have an idea of the type of people who be using your product or service um, that helps you create a, a, a particular brief to start recruiting for those participants but so-
0: I guess how how are you coming up with that profile before you've spoken to the people that you need to speak to to create that profile if you see what I mean
1: yeah, but you still need to you need to have a starting point, right? Um, and then, as I said, like you go back to what's your target audience? What are the most typical kind of type of customers who interact with your product? I also used to use a lot of like um like social media listening tools as well, or even going into social media itself. Like if you don't have time to do research to create come up with customer profiles or different types of um you know, persona types, you could go on social media and you really look at when people interact with that particular brand, you know, you see common patterns and common behaviors and comments and more like that qualitative um, data that you need to create those people. And social media listening tools as well are very useful. Like in a retail environment, for example, you can go and look at what people are saying in your brand, what kind of demographics they are, where they're located, um, what do they actually say and go into, into the detail of the comments. So that's another way of framing those initial profiles. And as you said, with research, you could validate whether or not they're right and keep enriching those type of people. if that makes sense?
0: Yeah, I guess the risk with that, and it's something you need to kind of make sure you recruit for as well, is that you're only going to learn about people that can be bothered to talk about your brand on social media in the first place. So there's probably a good deal with customers. You know, they shop with you or whatever, but they don't potentially love you enough to shout about it on Twitter or whatever. So you need a way of kind of reaching those customers as well to learn more about them
1: yeah exactly i mean as i said it's just a starting point but you still need to go and talk to people and um and look at data look at what you know people actually do if you have an existing website or app uh, to start like coming up with that more realistic profile and that's what i think is not about a type of person and you know, I'm going to refer back to this jobs to be done book that I highly recommend. The good thing about jobs to be done rather than personas is actually that unlike personas, they talk about like core or macro behaviors or needs that kind of apply to every everyone as a person, if that makes sense. Like one of the things that, People always talk about, oh, millennials do this and millennials do that. Well, I've, a lo- I've met a lot of people who sit within the millennial kind of, um, you know, profile, you know, but they don't really have millennial behaviors. And sometimes like people like me, who is obviously old and don't fit into the millennial category, I could have more millennial behaviors than a millennial. You know because obviously of the industry i am in, mean, because of what the context where i live so that's what i think when you think about core goals main jobs to be done you kind of go beyond the type of person or the demographic or who they are or whether they have children or not you know and then you go into the core of what are those things and problems or things that people want to do in their interaction with your brand and that's what I think more and more personas are being, uh, you, you, uh, being more irrelevant, uh, you know, in the, in the design process. Yeah,
0: so it sounds like that's a lot more geared to understanding what their desired user journey is, right? If it's about tasks that they want to complete and how they might want to complete those tasks, that's very much a user journey style exercise.
1: Yeah, because I think that if you think about the value of a persona, it's more about the context that they bring, the behavior that they bring, rather than whether or not they're female or male, or they live here or there, or they have children or not, you know what I mean? Because it's it's a bit irrelevant. Um, But yeah, that's just my opinion. And I I know there's a lot of UX designers out there who would completely disagree with what I'm saying. because they all think personas is always a starting point, but I don't really think that's the case anymore. It's a bit like an old-fashioned... It's kind of a myth. <laughs> <laughs> oh God.
0: They don't really exist, these things. We've just spent the last 45 minutes talking about. <laughs> if they're ba- The problem is a lot of the time they're not based on actual research. They're just kind of a company's internal view of what they think their users are like. They're full of random information that doesn't help you validate your designs they're just done by one person or they're based on kind of a marketing persona which isn't really going to help you validate your designs again you know oh there are 18 to 25 year olds male you know whatever the economic characteristics are stuff like that and I think that's probably given them a bit of a bad rap. Whereas if they were properly researched, the whole team was involved in creating them, maybe they might be in kind of better repute.
1: Yeah. And also, I, th- I don't think like anything in design, you stop, you stop designing them, if that makes sense. Like, okay, I've done the personas, uh, ticking the box, that's it. They're my reference point because there isn't enough research you could do to really understand like, I mean, you could even you spend like, let's say three months coming up with personas, you're still going to learn more about your customer base as you go through user testing, as you go through more like generative research, you know, interviews and stuff like that. You I think you are what I'm trying to say is that if you're going to use them, use them properly and keep enriching them as you go not like okay deliverable done this is it and this is what my personas are because that could really change very very quickly in the design process what do
0: you think about proto personas
1: proto personas
0: yeah so they're basically kind of a lean approach to personas so again they should be based on actual research but it's more rather than creating a whole kind of A4 sheet with a picture and all the other rubbish that goes along with it it's more like a couple of bullet points that gets to the core of what that user's about so you know it might be like suffers from high anxiety and you know spends all their disposable income on crap they don't need or whatever and I think the idea behind it is the full-on kind of persona thing is hard for people to keep in their heads as one whole cohesive thing to think about when you're challenging your designs. Whereas if you've got a couple of bullet points, which really are those kind of behaviours or whatever that you're most interested in, that can be a much better tool to help people focus their thinking.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say that I I call in light personas, but it's the, I think it's the same thing. But... I have to say that um, it goes back to my point before it is not so much about the persona it's about the behavior so i wonder how much of that persona kind of person with a picture like cheesy picture on it do you actually need do you just need to identify is the core behavior the thing is that it is easy to relate to a person and once you look at a picture and once you look at the context of that person kind of as a human being you tend to relate more with that than if you just see a, a, you know, a behavior. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all about those extreme behaviors, as you said. Um,
0: I think that's that's the problem though, right? It's hard to develop empathy with a stock image or even if it's not a stock image of a user that you've never seen or spoken to in your life. It's just a random picture on a page. And I'm not entirely convinced that that breeds too much empathy.
1: No, and and to be honest, how many I've designed my personas around people I know. You know, I, you know, Pete, Catherine, Lizzie, like Chris. Even you've been one of my personas, um, because when you don't have time for research, you have to relate back to what you know. Um, so yeah, so that. You know how much of that is actually relevant. Well, I've, I don't want my clients to know that I've I've done all of that for them, but it's not very really it's not very relevant because you know they don't really represent that reality. They just represent one buyer's view of what that behavior is.
0: I'm curious to know what was on my persona now.
1: <laughs> you were really unhappy. It was a very unhappy okay. persona. Sounds accurate so far. <laughs> very unhappy and um. What else? I don't remember what I said. I think you were like a treasure hunter or something. A
0: treasure hunter.
1: Oh, yeah, like discounts. No,
0: I don't know about cheap stuff. I've got very expensive taste.
1: Have you ever done a persona based on someone you know?
0: Um, other than the Chinese hacker, no. <laughs>
1: okay. Um, it's harder when you can't relate to the topic. So if you're doing like personas that are, um, I don't know medical professionals or things like that you don't know about you really need to kind of go deeper into who they are and what they do but if it is about e-commerce if it is about things that you relate with um, easily I think they're slightly easier to do because you kind of have a context of what that means
0: yeah and e-commerce behaviors are reasonably well understood I'd say just as an sort of industry wide thing. So there's probably a lot of material you can get just by reading around to get a sense of, you know, who your customers might be and what type of behaviors they're likely to do in a on an online, at least e-commerce experience.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, online e-commerce is very similar. People just want to achieve the same things. It's just more about the branding and more about the the actual kind of differences in the brand then, to be honest that customer behavior because at the end of the day people want to do the same it's just buy quickly and do have a very good checkout process and you know be able to look at the product detail page and look at the details, you know, it's very similar. It's more about what how that relates back to your brand. So whether you're a discount retailer or luxury retailer or, you know, and that's where personas can play a role to represent those behaviors that are more relevant to the brand. But at the end of the day, it's just the same thing.
0: It's slightly different slant in the public sector world where the problems are very unique. The users are actually very unique depending on their circumstances. It's not something where you can necessarily always learn by what other places have done. You know, it's it's stuff like applying for divorce. There's probably a whole host of academic stuff out there, but there's not many apply for a divorce website. There's one which is the government one, and you can't really rely on other industry in quotation marks sources to develop your understanding that way so although personas might not be the answer i think there's more case for doing sort of the first-hand research to get that initial understanding rather than having necessarily too many channels to piece it together otherwise
1: yeah i think that's different yeah definitely different scenarios different type of life services that you provide yeah but e-commerce and things like that they're very similar
0: so you got anything else on personas
1: uh not really i don't i haven't done personas in a very long time so i have to say that um and i think more and more i would do them less and less but
0: i think as a beginner what they can do in order to help sort of with learning ux is being able to distill your research into I guess findings might be a strong word, but try and get to the core of what you've understood about those users. So just as a sort of exercise to do to help you get better at UX, turning kind of if you've done a bunch of interviews and stuff into, you know, let's say four or five core personas might help you understand what you think the differences are between those different users. You might not necessarily use them much after that but just as a way of sorting out in your head what you've learned they can be potentially quite good
1: yeah that's true and then you realize that you perhaps don't need four you perhaps only need two because they are like radically different and they represent two main like type of behavior and that is a good it's a good starting point to start like mapping out all the different themes and these themes how they relate to particular scenarios and behaviors and that how they relate to personas so yeah it's a good it's a good exercise um but yeah but they don't have to be always personas right they could be just key insights of the key things that you learned So, again, going back to the purpose of this podcast, it's not about a deliverable, it's not about what people say, it's all about what is useful for you in the design process. Uh, Sometimes personas are, sometimes personas are not useful. So, it's not a right or wrong answer, isn't it?
0: Yep. Okay, I think we can probably wind it up there. Anything else?
1: no 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 so i just um i'd like to ask people who are listening to this um if you haven't stopped listening because you we, you thought we were really boring um to give us any feedback any topics you want us to talk about or anything that you want us to do that we haven't done yet which probably is a lot um please let us know um you can follow us on at these uh and Is it design untangled?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's the name of the podcast, so I thought that'd probably be a good (laughs) Twitter handle. Oh, and I
1: I was gonna say untangle design. At design untangle on Twitter, if you want, uh, just to give us some feedback, because it's really it's really cool to have people telling us even how shit we are.
0: If you can leave us a review, good or bad, on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, that really helps us kind of get discovered by other people as well, especially as we're new. Yeah, I think that's it. So we will see you next time.
1: Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.